Welcome everyone. Good evening. Nice to be with you all. So I want to speak a little this evening from Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. Most of you are familiar with this very core text of Gaudi Vaishnavism. And um, I want to do so in the course of kind of crossing over three worlds, the world of, of sense perception, the world of sadhana, and the wor- world of Krishna Leela, Gaur Leela, and then Krishna Leela. And, and we'll try to see how these worlds, if you will, or realms are connected by a sound mm, constituted of two syllables, Krishna. Mm. And I'd like to enter not uh, from the world of our sense perception, but the world of spiritual practice, the world of Gorlila. It's a world in which um, the perfection of spiritual practice in its practicing mode, <laughs> if you will, is uh, eternally manifest. Mm. We uh, sometimes refer to this world as Sadhana Siddha Bhumi. Bhumi means land, earth, place, your realm. Bhumi, the place, Sadhana Siddha, where Siddhas play in the role of sadhakas. So they're perfect in their play, but their plays itself of Sadhana is, in the perfection of Sadhana, is preserved. That's very interesting um, concept. It speaks to us in, in one sense about the, the uh, eternal nature of bhakti in all of its uh, stages, progressive stages. Sadhana bhakti, bhava bhakti, prema bhakti, bhakti begets bhakti bhaktiya sanjataya bhaktiya. So from bhakti comes bhakti. So you may have a mango, a green mango, a, a ripe er mango <laughs> a mango a mango blossom uh, a green mango and a ripe mango it's all a mango is a mango is a mango mango <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> so bhakti is the way and bhakti is the is the goal it's the means and and the end just different stages and so here we, we speak, and as I say, we enter the discussion from the realm of Gorlila, which is, again, the, the um, showcasing, if you will, of the preserving of spiritual practice in perfection. Mm. Obviously, the spiritual practice in perfection leads to another experience, 
in our tradition, of course, that's Krishna Leela. But the Gaur Leela itself is certainly perfect as well. So we enter there and um, in a very instructive uh, place that is the manifestation of Gaur Leela in Jagannath Puri. This is instructive to us in general because in, in this place, this is the place where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has come to settle, so to speak, as a sannyasin. And as a sannyasin, he's, of course, a teacher. And he's involved now in the dispensation of uh, that which he himself comes to experience, taste, and, and is the very overflow, if you will, of that enables us to come in touch with that and and in the sannyasa leela to learn about the underground of that, the uh, the philosophical uh, canvas on which the art of that leela is drawn, <clears throat> to get grounded in it, if you will, um, and um, <clears throat> and thus the possibility of of. Uh, joining him in that Leela, not in Puri, where we enter today, but in Navadvip. Hmm? This is the goal of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, to enter into the uh, Navadvip Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That was uh, appearing on earth about 500 some years ago. So it's uh, a historical event of sorts, and uh, and of course, there's a rich uh, culture there of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Some people wonder today, what is the Vedic culture? <laughs> it's a good question, in a sense. Um, but we don't have to worry or think about that as Gaudiya Vaishnavas. We simply follow Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And this is a very uh, culture that's very um, near to us. I mean, historically, by way of time, it's a few hundred years ago, and much has been um, recorded about it. There are many, many, most of the, in fact, uh, principal associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu were literary men, um, men of, uh, and women of the arts, and uh, taken to, to dramatic, poetic, and musical expressions um, in the context of their Spirituality, and so there are many, many descriptions on the part of uh, learned people of the time as to uh, the experience of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They tried to make sense out of it, of course, and the and the the effort to make sense out of it at the time was to refer to the standard of knowledge, which was the greater body of the sacred texts of the Hindus. Um, that begins with the with the unauthored sounds, if you will. It's an interesting uh, topic in itself, but um, a rich uh, culture, and our ideal is to, as I say, enter into that. The more we understand that, the more we can really appreciate that that culture, and uh, which comes to. Uh, as a kind of answer to that 
dispensation, a response to it, the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and the response to it that's supportive. In general, of course, we know that the Indian culture was is centered around ideas that are very different than our modern Western culture is centered around. Hmm? Centered around ideas that the goal of life is some form of mukti, some form of transcendence. Of course, in, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we use a different word, which makes us unique amongst all the schools of Vedanta. The prayojan is prem, hmm? not mukti. Um, I was speaking with some very nice um, ethnic Hindus the other day, and they were trying to follow me on this point, Gyan and Bhakti and the difference and and so forth. And I made a simple point that, that just kind of hit them like a, I don't know, a cone or something. And I said to them that, that there is... Uh, uh, there is no bhakti in mukti, referring to a particular popular type of, of mukti, but there's mukti in bhakti. Hmm. That's very simple. Or you can say similarly that um, bhakti can give mukti, but mukti cannot give bhakti. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> A very, uh, a very beautiful idea, the, the, the idea of prema. It's a very rich idea. It's a very nuanced uh, idea uh, of, uh, or experience, I should say, of, of transcendence. A very textured, I want to say. And I remember myself the first time going to India, that was what it, where I was hit with. This is a very textured place. <laughs> Of smells and sounds and tastes. I mean, it's the, it was the, uh, you know, the wealth. Marco Polo thought we struck it rich. We found things here that can that that activate points on the tongue that we never knew <laughs> existed before. The richness of the spices of India and uh, and, uh, and and so on. The richness of colors and ritual. You know, it wasn't like, well, meat and potatoes, um, salt, <laughs> some of the very, very, very textured, very rich, very um, um, uh, layered. Hmm? And it's different, a very different country, India. I mean, my first going there was in, I think, 1973 or 1974. And, um, of course, it's different now, and there's a lot of industrialization and Western influence, actually, but um, it was very powerful. It very much uh, arrested the senses in, in many ways. Um, um, but that also in the context of really an overarching worldview that spoke of transcending the senses. And when you look at this in relation to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's ideal notion of prem as the goal, then it really, it really works together very nicely. A very sensuous, if you will, but very, very transcend, transcendent life. Rishikena Rishikesha Sevanam, Bhakti Ruchite. Narada said it himself. Hmm? Hmm? That the uh, uh, 
that uh, he's defining bhakti. Bhakti is the service of the senses of Krishna, hmm? rather than the service of our own senses. So senses don't go away. Hmm? And if you serve the senses of Krishna, you need a certain type of senses to do that. And all the tastes and all the smells and all the sounds and uh, are fully present. And desire also. This Gaudiya Vaishnava is a very much of an affirmation of, of will, individual will and desire, even as much as we talk about having no desire and being free from desire and so forth. It's very much about having desire. Hmm? Um, as we come under the influence of bhakti, the swarup shakti, then the facts about ourself as an atma come to the fore. And one of those facts is that we're a unit of, of will. The more, conversely, that we're under the influence of the maya shakti, the, the less we, the, our, uh, this one, for example, quality of the self, that it's a unit of will, is suppressed and, and covered. And mostly people in the world, the realm of the senses, one of the realms we're discussing here today, if we can go back to that for a moment, is, um, is the way most people function in this realm is with it, where the will, their will is just their self, if you will, a unit of will, um, an agent of action, is not manifest. And you can think about it yourself, as much as you're just going on automatically doing things, as much as you're, you're not really doing anything, you're, you, and, and, and you can you can also will to do things, and then things can start to be done and accomplished by your brain and so forth by the gunas without you participating. Yoga is really about sadhana, the world of sadhana, the realm of sadhana is about being very conscious about what I'm doing and being introspective. And bhakti is not without, not devoid of such uh, introspection. But again. As the as the swarup shakti comes under, we come under that influence. Then, then the the, the freedom. It's a beautiful. It's a beta beta kind of equation, if you will. Um, in one sense, the world of Krishna Leela, the third of our worlds, the world of sense experience, the world of sadhana, if you will, the world of what do we call it, uh, the, of Krishna Leela, <laughs> uh, the the aprakrita world. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the point? It's a very um, hmm. uh, help me. No, that's back. You said just before you went into the three, you said we're, we're talking about the Krishna world experience. I'm talking about we are. Yeah, we better go back to the other side. <laughs> there, in that world, the point is under the influence of the Sarup Shakti. Hmm, Everyone has their has their own will. It's not that every cowherd only eats the same thing. The beta bait I was talking about, reality of that. The bait, the non-difference is that there is one center, and that one center, Krishna, is is playing out his own will as the supreme enjoyer through the agency of many willing agents. Hmm? Instruments, but the when we look at it from the abeda perspective, no, the bade perspective. Excuse me. The, the non, the difference. There's a difference and a unity and a difference. So, from the non-different perspective, there's one 
Hmm? And playing out his desires through so many willing agents, if you will. Um, the other side of it is, from the Abe, from the difference, there are many different devotees with different dispositions, different likes and dif- dislikes, who like different qualities of Krishna in one rasa and other qualities in a, in a stand out in another rasa, and they have individual will, desire. Hmm? And the coward boys wanted to taste the towel fruits. You think, they're supposed to have no desire. Why are they one? But, but you have to understand, of course, this is this particular instance is an example of, of Sakyarasa, and so the truth is such with all of the rasas, different, all the different desires are all pleasing to Krishna. They, they're all, it's, it's, they're expressing desire and individuality within the context of the parameters, if you will, of the sarup shakti that's all pleasing to him in, in a variety of ways, different ways of looking at it, from the bade perspective or the abade perspective. So a, a rich world is what I want to say that is comparatively, uh, that compares in many ways to the world of sense perception. Hmm? There seems to be lots of variety and choices and things and, and so on. Hmm? When we rein in on that world with knowledge, then, then the naked form of the world of sense perception uh, comes to, uh, to the fore and it, and it looks like there are really not that many choices and it's, it's uh, only an appearance of such and so forth, appearance of variety. Huh? So, at any rate, the, the realm of sadhana hmm? and is one. And we, when we speak of it, we, here we're we going to speak, enter into here the Gaur-lila. So in Gaur-lila and Puri, where there's so much instruction uh, as Mahaprabhu was a sannyasi, he's teaching how to meet up with him in Navadweep, how to enter into Navadweep, hmm? and know him as Nimai Pandit, and go with him hand in hand to the courtyard of Shivas for the nocturnal kirtan. Hmm? But here he is in Puri, and he's meeting with two of his very uh, close associates, Takur Haridas and Rupa Goswami. Hmm? Very different backgrounds. Rupa Goswami is a scholar, a theologian, a very highly, highly educated person who was highly posted in the, in the government at the time because of his expertise in diplomatic dealings and being able to kind of, to, as much as the face is the index of the mind, understand people's necessities, tender to them and and uh, it's that kind of delicate uh, work, very very cultured cultured uh, person, and Haridas the outcast, hmm? the outcast. So it's a huge uh, contrast between the two, and they are holed up together hmm? at Haridas's uh, place, some distance from the temple. And as we enter here, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is coming to visit them, as he would every day come to visit. Uh, Taku Haridas, who socially and from the religious uh, uh, thinking of the time hmm, was not, as an outcast, allowed to enter into the temple of Jagannath. Of course, 
you know this, and, and Chaitanya, the point is that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is the walking Jagannath, went every day to give his darshan to Thakur Harida. So Rupa Goswami has come to town. Hmm? This is not the first time he's met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He met him in Bengal, hmm? where he himself appeared, in Jeshwar, not far from from um, from Mayapur, Navadweep, um, and heard about the exploits of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his sannyas, wrote a letter to him, wanted to give up the government service, join him and so forth. Mahaprabhu wrote him back and said, keep yourself like a parakya lover. Hmm? A parakya lover means who has a, she has a lover, but she doesn't want anybody to know in the household. So she does her household duties very, very nicely. Hmm? It's a very interesting concept. To be, to be fully somewhere else, you have to be fully where you are, is the point. <laughs> kind of a Gaudiya mindfulness, if you will. <laughs> very much. Pay attention to what you're doing, right? And do it very, very nicely, so no one will know. <laughs> hmm? And if they're really insightful, they might ask, and then you have a teachable moment, and then that world that inner world that you can access uh, by the sadhana of Gaudiya Vaishnavism can, can be, a crack can open, we share it with others. Hmm? Really, this is the way of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. By inner experience, the outward dispensation will be effect- effective. Hmm? And he very much waited in his own conversions, if you will, of of the uh, luminaries in different fields of the time, luminaries of different lineages of Vedanta, like Venkata or Prabodhananda Saraswati, or amongst the scholars like Sarvabhoma and um, the uh, Vedanta, but uh, Nima, uh, uh, the Pandit in Navadweep, Keshav Kashmiri, and so on and so forth. Um, his way of conversion was very much uh, less words and more action. Very little action sometimes. Just remaining quiet, silent. It's by remaining silent for seven days and listening to Sarvabhoma, he created a, a teachable moment. By joking with Venkatabhata, he created a teachable moment. By humility, he created a teachable moment with Prakashananda Saraswati, and so forth. So, more action, less uh, speech. I've said before, if you don't have much inside, you've got to talk a lot. That's my problem. But if you have a lot inside, you don't have to say much. And people will go with you. Hmm. So, <clears throat> so he's, he, he, he was, uh, 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 Rupa Goswami, uh, very... Um, um, Culturally rich, uh, intellectually uh, sophisticated person, and uh, he met Mahaprabhu. Finally, he, Mahaprabhu, he wrote the letter, We want to join with you, myself, Sanatan, his elder, his guru. And Mahaprabhu wrote back, Keep yourself like a parakeet love, so the king won't know, hmm? Hussein Sah won't know. And uh, when there's an opening, then you can. Make your way into my company, and of course they did It's amazing what they did. It's it's incredible, incredible. Rupa Sanatan, 
what they did, what they left, hmm? what they left behind in terms of material accomplishment. These people, these uh, sadhus, they were like uh, cabinet members of the king. Uh, the, uh, they were practically Sanatana was the ruling king in the absence of the Nawab when he would go out for conquering other lands. So they, they had very extreme. He was also in charge of the treasury, so all of the wealth was in his hands at his disposal. They, they, they in other words, they are depicted in the literature as, as men who had everything. They had, materially speaking, and they gave this up to, to don the loincloths uh, of, of, of renunciation. It's not, you know, it sounds pretty, but it's a very heavy thing what they did. You have to understand this, we do, uh, about Indian culture also which is a culture, as I said before, that is centered around certain ideas. Hmm? Ideas that there's another birth, that this life is one frame in the whole reel that constitutes the movie of our life. And as I said before, it's, you know, we should not try to make an Academy Award-winning movie out of one frame of our life. We have to see the, the bigger picture. When you have this, this is such a different idea than in modern society. How you will look at morals, how you will look at how to behave and what's correct and what's not, will all change dramatically. Hmm? With this ideal in mind, comparison to the modern ideal in mind, which you know you can get possibly, we'll see, elected president if you just have money. Hmm? If you if you're rich, I'm rich, therefore I must be successful, and therefore I must be the best candidate for being the president. Hmm? If you have money and if you have sex. And as I said before, you don't even, if you're not good at having a sex, you can just pay for it if you have money anyway. So money is, hmm, is the honey. As the Pope is com- complaining about that, right, in his recent visit, and, and appropriately so. Hmm? So it's a very, I mean, it's a very different a materialistic mindset. It's very powerful, hmm? and there's a culture that forms around it. The, the, the culture of India, um, a past, for example, the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it has this as its ideal. Some form of transcendence is the goal. This life is not everything. Therefore, you find people doing things in this life, making sacrifices that look weird and psychologically dysfunctional. And how could he have done that? How could he have walked out on his family? Hmm? And his wife was pregnant. That sounds like, you know, it's really like <laughs> the wrong thing to do, but you have to look a little deeper. You have, you, it doesn't matter, bhakti, gyan, yoga, tapas, hmm? these are all different approaches to transcendence. This culture has a history of people that are really committed to an ideal that requires considerable intellectual commitment and understanding. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas at 24 years old, he was a young lad when he came to Puri, we were entering here our discussion, Saraboma, who was a stout and elderly person, a friend of the, what, the, 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 the grandfather, I believe, isn't it, of Nilambar Chakravarti of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He was quite elderly and sober, sober logician and he would school young sannyasis. He wanted to, he offered Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to change his sampradaya because the Bharati sampradaya, 
that Mahaprabhu had been initiated in the Shankar line was the, it's interesting, it's the one of the ten um, sannyas names and corresponding uh, schools, if you will, in, uh, in, in Shankar Sampradaya that was questionable in Shankar's, in Shankar's mind. And maybe it was the one that had a little influence of that bhakti, which is for less intelligent people, as they think of it, uh, for the emotional, emotional people who can't get a hold of their emotions and be, you know, just engage in vivek, introspection, and so forth. This is not from Sampradaya. I could, you know, change it, you know, and get you better, better standing you know, through initiation. And, hmm. So he was a very wise person and the point is he thought a 24 year old boy has taken sannyasa how are they ever going to maintain this that's in that world hmm? at that time what to speak of now hmm? how much the world is calling upon us and, and with what type of propaganda and, and so much information appearance of so many possibilities and so forth but at that time Sarvabhoma wise as he was reason I should school him hmm um, in, 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 the, in the Nyaya, in the Vedanta, the logic of those sounds. It's the lo- Vedanta Sutra is the logic of the sounds, those unauthored sounds that, that Vyas took and, and in sutra form he, he like took notes on the Upanishads and this is the early, earliest and uh, first form of theology in the world. Theology means making sense out of revelation. Hmm? Philosophizing in such a way that is tied to revelation, that there is knowledge beyond the ken of reason and sense uh, perception, and it, 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 it speaks to us, but in a translogical, transrational way, Hmm? And then we can have to try to make sense out of it and interpret it and understand it. It's coming from a different world. It's coming from a world of where the language is love and it has to be translated into reason that we might get a, have an approach to it, get a handle on it, something like that. Hmm? Uh, so... Um, in that world, hmm? in, I mean, in, the, in, in, in India, whether you be a tapasvi, a jnani, a yogi, or a bhakta, hmm? there's a gradation there. Krishna says, better to be a tapasvi, better to be a, you know, better to be a jnani, better than that to be a yogi. End of the sixth chapter, better than that to be a devotee. But these are all transcendental schools. Prabhupada taught me personally that if you see a sannyasi of any lineage, doesn't matter, you pay your obeisances to him. He had a sense of what that meant. Hmm? What kind of courage that took? And, and, and I mean, real intellectual uh, commitment and uh, hopefully experiential, hmm, uh, well, experience also that's served to keep one in place in terms of that kind of commitment. I mean, you have to understand, this is a culture where people took off their clothes and moved to the Himalayas hmm, to realize what it was thought was the goal of life, was the ideal of life, to realize the idea that there's a difference between consciousness and matter, and I'm consciousness, 
and I'm not matter, and that's all that matters. Hmm. That's what they thought. That's all that matters. And it is all that matters. All that matters is what's out there and what it is that's observing it. That's all there is. What's out there and what's experiencing it. Hmm? And of the two, well, that which is experiencing it is more important, and of course, and it's you. And just this, this is, you know, nothing about Prem and the, the possibility of a beautiful realm uh, uh, e, 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 of Goloka, very textured, uh, you know, that corresponds, as I'm saying, with the Indian cultural sensibilities as it should. But just to understand, to experience an idea they were completely convinced about with such conviction, they weren't just thinking about it, like modern philosophers think about it and do something else. Think about it, write a book about it, get some notoriety from that, because you have a fertile brain uh, that's full of ideas of thinking about what matter might be like and, and so forth. These people were committed. Hmm? They weren't, in Prabhupada's language, armchair philosophers. As a young boy, it was, you, there, were, there are many instances of, uh, like, what is his name? They, they did a movie about him. Um, Swami Narayan. The young boy is going off to the Himalayas and naked, dressing in ashes. Hmm? What kind of commitment they had? It's, it's, it's not a... It's not a. Um, I mean, it's a deep, deep intellectual commitment, and that that by committing to, and thus practicing, this is what sadhana is. One gets experience, and the experience is confirming. But the measure of the commitment that they were prepared to make, to make, and there are many examples of this. This is a country that has this these, these kind of examples. It's very. Uh, extraordinary, a very different world, a worldview different from the modern, current, you know, prominent worldview, but one that has currency in the world today. It has so much currency. This is just this basic idea. Consciousness is different from matter and your consciousness. It has lots of currency. In the modern world, the materialistic mindset in science, they have been trying for a long time to demonstrate that consciousness is matter, and they're not making any progress with that. For, and for good reasons, hmm? you know, we go for a minute to the to the world of sense experience. What is it? <laughs> the world of sense. It, 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 it's just some approximation of of what's what matter is. Some modern science. I mean, it it's 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 just basically meter reading. That's all it is. It's reading meters, hmm? and you read the meter. You you observe within a certain limited within certain limited parameters and you get information and then with that information you do something that's pragmatic you extend the, the life of humans pretty cool hmm? you you know you go you go to the moon you go to mars so wow uh, that's pretty far out hmm? um so it's thought, and we're enamored by that, and the various material kind of fruits that we get that make our life, at least it would seem, more comfortable. We'll see what happens in, you know, in time. Oh, that's not always the case. What was thought to make people more comfortable killed them. That's also 
has happened in, in modern history. But, but in going to the moon, going to Mars, it's just it's, there's no different. You know, wasn't there Columbus sailed across the ocean and you know exploited the Indians? I mean, uh, there's at least five hundred thousand galaxies. I mean, it's it, it, what is it out there? We only have an approximation of it gathered through our senses. In reading the meters and getting some practical results by which we go here to Mars and, we, and then we're able to do something that works on Earth for us in some way for communications or, or whatever. These are very small, small accomplishments in the eye of Vedanta. Hmm? They're very small things. I mean, we can give these cute examples... And we can laugh at them, and then we can. But they're very profound. When Prabhupada said, for example, "Man, dog is running on four legs and barking. Man is riding on four wheels and blowing the horn. What is the difference?" You know, his Doctor Frog example. You know, how big is the ocean? Is it is it that? Is it twice as big? Is it the, you know, compared to his pond? And speaking to another frog who had just been to the ocean and said, "I'm speechless. I wanna, but." I can't about that. It, it can't be contained in my croaking. Hmm? The other guy's croaking. How big is it? I mean, come on. This is a funny kind of simple example, but it really is a very powerful one. I mean, if we want to go, you know, ask a dog what the world's about. You know, he'll sniff around and has an idea of what it is. The difference between the DNA in a chimpanzee and a human is so minuscule. It's it's absolutely minuscule. The difference, chimpanzee is thought to be the closest to the to the human on the scale of complexity in in, in life. The the difference is is just minuscule, but the difference is huge, isn't it? What the what the chimpanzee thinks the world is, we think we hope <laughs> that we that we think. We understand it a lot better, a lot more. But the difference, the, the basic difference that makes one, from a scientific point of view, in the DNA between a chimpanzee and a human, is it's, it's almost immeasurable. Hmm? Immeasurable? I don't mean big, I mean small. It's <laughs> infinitesimal. Hmm? So the, obviously, the extension of that is that if you have a, a Brahma who's got a different DNA, that's just a little bit different from ours, you know, then we're like a chimpanzee in terms of our understanding. When we say, and reality is the collapse of the wave function extending over time, you know, in, in Hilbert space or something, you know. These are, these are, uh, uh, <laughs> this, uh, <laughs> what we can arrive at by knowing hmm, through the means the imperfect means of reason and observation hmm, is obviously very limited. So there's a, there's a place for this idea of another way of knowing that at least theoretically is perfect. Hmm? Because theoretically and practically, the senses and reasoning power and observation are limited, extremely limited in terms of telling us. And there's nothing that says in evolution, if you want to look from a Darwinian point of view, that humans should know everything, should be able to figure everything out. 
Even many people, some people in science say, for all we know, say, for all we know, in this world, in this realm, the realm of the senses, what we are is just a computer simulation of somebody else, a Brahma or somebody. Hmm? They admit that. Hmm? So we should not underestimate when Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, Mamamaya Durateya. Hmm? And we should take heart when he says, Chakrabarti Vishwanath Thakur, when he when in commenting on this verse, he says, and Krishna is pointing to his chest like this, Mama Maya, my Maya, Duratjaya. It probably uses the word, is insurmountable. Hmm? Vishnu Maya. Hmm? What is it? When Parikshit Maharaj asked, asked uh, the Sukhamuni, tell me about the material world, he said, I can tell you this, is Vishnu Maya. Hmm? It's the modes of nature, constantly under transformation. That's what it is. Hmm? Meanwhile, I'll tell you about the way people are describing it at this time. Hmm? But what it is, it's it, this is incredible magic of, of Vishnu Maya. Hmm? So to understand that, to, to, to conquer that even, which is kind of the implication of understanding it, we think... It's not possible. We think that it's, it's, there's considerable evidence that, that reasoning power, empiricism, and rationalism are imperfect means of arriving at conclusive truth um, about the nature of the world even. What to speak about arriving at a truth that is fulfilling. Hmm? Fulfilling. That makes one peaceful. That makes one feel with conviction but there's nothing else that needs to be known. And if you ask me many questions, I won't know the answers. I don't know how far it is to Mars. I don't know how to do this, that, but I don't need to know. Hmm? This is what it means, the knowing of um, transcendence. A sense that I know myself. <laughs> I know myself. Hmm? And, it's, and, and, and there's no need, I can sit peacefully. Of course, there's more to know Bhagawan. That's another thing. You've got to get up then and move for that. That's where we pick up, where many transcendental traditions leave off. But in all of them, we see extraordinary examples of commitment. So if we want to talk about this world and the means, sadhana, to get out of it, you can get some idea. Hmm? What is sadhana? If you want to be a sadhaka... <laughs> You have to think, people are taking off their clothes hmm, and wearing ashes just to realize the thing that we say, bhakti belittles, mukti, it makes small of. Yes, we've got a more user-friendly process, method. We don't have to do that. We don't have to stand in the Gandhis up to our neck in the month of Mag at, at midnight or sit to experience cold and say, cold is just a perception. Hmm? Tolerate. Hmm? We don't have to go and sit at noon in the month of May huh, in the Rajasthani desert and start a fire and sit there in meditation and say, heat is, a per- is just a perception of the senses and the mind. Hmm? Which it is. That's what it is. We don't have to do that. Our process, our method is so much easier, so much more beautiful but you should put the kind of effort into it. Hmm? This is the point. That those people that do that, 
put into their practices. Hmm? When we say bhakti is easy, hmm, it's not an excuse for being lazy and not making sacrifice and not being a sadhaka in a real sense of the term that your life is revolving around the spiritual practice. This is the culture we want. Hmm? And this was the, the Indian culture, well, certainly at the time of, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and see what the kind of commitment people had. Hmm? And then what, are the, then what becomes your morality, what becomes your good and bad? And You know, the morality is just a shadow of the, of the ultimate good. Hmm? There is an, a, a real, an absolute ethic and aesthetic, if you will. Hmm? And morality, with regard to ethics, is, is just a shadow of that. You can never get an absolute, you know, on the, from the point of, 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 of morality. Hmm? That's why the Gita teaches very boldly, if you catch it, in the very first chapter, hmm? really first and beginning of the second chapter, if you study it, you understand. Krishna is telling Arjuna, listen, I want to tell you something. You do spiritual practice. And if you do that practice, and if it, it, it was necessary in order to do that practice, to kill the whole world, hmm? kill it. That's what he teaches. Go ahead and kill the whole world. Kill your grandfather, kill your, your teacher, your, your martial arts teacher, kill him. If that is required, not that it will be necessary, but if it's necessary hmm, for the ongoing pursuit of absolute good hmm, and absolute beauty, do it and there will be no repercussions whatsoever. Hmm? Later, when, this is the beginning of his discourse on yoga. First he discourses on the nature of the self and then how to realize it by yoga. And then there's the whole chapter, chapter, chapter. You get to the sixth chapter, the end of that discussion. He says the same thing because Arjuna says, what if I do this yoga and I'm not successful? Krishna says, do it. You cannot not be successful because even if you do it wrong and incompletely and imperfectly, you get the result of being perfectly moral and going to heaven. Hmm? That's what he says. If you do it imperfectly, you'll get the result of perfectly doing the moral thing. And you'll get more than that. You'll be a better person in heaven because you will have went there by a different method altogether. Hmm? Those who go there by that method, they have the opportunity to descend from heaven when Krishna descends and enter his pastimes from there. They're also sadhakas. Hmm? So it's a very powerful uh, statement. And, 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 and again, these are the kind of things that Sarva thought, I've got to educate this young boy, Chaitanya, and he could understand this because the world is loud and it's full of distractions. And there are a lot of different ideas about, and, and our bodies are made of senses. The sense objects are always calling, eat me, listen to me, smell me, touch me, feel me. Hmm? The whole world is like animated like this. And, and, and there's the movie, and there we are, you know, plugged into it and so forth. Hmm? And, of course, it's problematic, because you, you touch and it disappears. And it's here today, and it's gone tomorrow. It's very intangible. We tend to think the realms of Gaur-lila and Krishna-lila are kind of intangible. You should not think like that. The material world is very intangible. Hmm? Very intangible. Hmm? It's a... In the phantasmagoria, I think Prabhupada used the term, push, 
flowers in the sky. Flowers don't grow in the sky. But it's a rabbit in a, what is it? Horns on a rabbit. Horns on a rabbit. Right. Horns on a rabbit. You know why cows wear bells? Because their horns don't work. <laughs> anyway, that's a, huh? so a little humor sometimes. It's all right. Hmm? Serious spiritual practice. This is required. I mean, it, it, to be a sadhaka. Hmm? We. I was thinking about you know, my life is as and, and in Prabhupada's, when Prabhupada was here and whatnot, and. Uh, uh, what sacrifices I was um, had the fortune to be able to have the opportunity to participate in. Hmm? So you have to think like this. You have to think our method is. It's no, there's no use like dismissing tapasvi yogis, this tradition and that and so forth. If we aren't putting the kind of effort into our much use, more user friendly practice, or as much effort as as these types of people, what commitment they have intellectual commitment to the to the concept hmm? and then that that fosters a certain type of activity which afforded them experience which just really grounded them in this hmm? so india a rich uh, culture in support of these kinds of ideas some people are fond of not want, not liking indian culture these days i asked someone said i said well can i wear my shoes in your house no no <laughs> you know there are some good things about you know <laughs> Eastern Eastern sensibilities and, and culture. Do you like incense? Do you stop? Have you stopped burning it? Should we translate your name now? You got a Sanskrit name. Should we translate it into English? Will that make you happier? Or are you just picking and choosing things? Why are you so attached to your own culture? What's that? Hmm? What is it, 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 it? It's almost can I've heard some versions of it are almost racist, like. They're like right out of Ann Coulter's mouth, like if you know the political comment. You come to America, you have to be an American. Hmm? You can't. We can't have two languages in this country. We're Americans. We speak American. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> Real good. <laughs> Real thoughtful. This kind of thing. So uh, it's a bit of an extreme form of that. But hmm. I mean, I like Indian culture. What can I say? It's very. Nuanced, rich, and and supportive in many ways. Of course, you know, half truths can go far with people who are half educated and so on. Um, and we do adapt to circumstances for preaching and outreach and so forth. That's that's obvious. But um, but, but Krishna is not near Vishesh Brahma. <clears throat> that's that's a fact. Hmm? Um, and he has a world. And so we're, now we're going to that world through the world of sadhana. And we're leaving the world of the senses and, 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 and reason unto itself. We're leaving that world of... We, we've decided here tonight that world of senses and reason and, make, and reasoning about my sense perception, my observations, is flawed. It's, it's never going to give me comprehensive knowledge of what's out there and it's never going to fully satisfy me within. Now they're saying they think the first person, the first thousand-year-old person, has already been born. Hmm? I mean, this propaganda is outrageous. Uh, so anyway, even if you could, you know, extend. Yeah, exactly. Brahma Bhuvanaloka Punavart. You know, this is the teaching of the Gita. The Gita says, 
even if you have a life of a thousand years to the thousandth, you know, what did they call it? Power. Power. <laughs> Math was never my subject, but and you become a Brahma. Punar Janma. A Brahma Bhuvanaloka, Punar Janmana. What did you say? Brahma Bhuvanaloka, Punar Avartino Arjuna. You even you go thousand to the thousandth power, whatever, you still yet to come down. But, but uh, Abrahma Bhuvanaloka, Punar Avartino Arjuna, Mamupetya Tukonteya, Punar Janmana. You, this we want, Punar Janmana. Hmm? Coming to me, he said, you never take birth again. What is a long time and what is eternity? And with a little commitment to sadhana, now there's a question in society, what is its spirituality? People want to, want to have a view about life. It's pretty, very common. A lot of young people have a view about life, have a kind of a half-baked kind of philosophy about life. It's very forgiving, very inclusive, um, nice things. Um, very want to be fair and, uh, and and let everybody. If you're happy, you're happy, and we honor it, and it's okay, and that kind of spirit. Um, um, and they want to have a spirituality to go with it too. Hmm? So, if the spirituality is politically correct, if it's psychologically, you know, functional, and and so forth, and it's and the philosophy is pretty good too. Okay. Hmm? It should be a little bit the other. What's the philosophy? <laughs> what, that we go with that. Uh, it should be both, but uh, correct in all ways. Or uh, uh, balanced uh, and, and materially and deep spiritually, obviously. Hmm? Um, So anyway, to go from here, from this world, hmm, uh, to, 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 the, to the world of Krishna Leela, the, main, the, the world is the world of the sadhana, and Gaur Leela is the example of that. Hmm? The world of sadhana, and it's perfected sadhana, sadhana siddhabhumi, there there's a land of siddhas engaging like sadhakas, whose example is so powerful, and Rupa Goswami's example is particularly compelling, as is that of Haridas Thakur. Mahaprabhu is coming now from Jagannath Puri, from the temple, to meet Haridas and Rupa Goswami, who has come now to Puri to again have a meeting with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He, he met him in, 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 in Bengal. Hmm? He was instructed. He met him in, 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 again in, 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 in um, Prayag, instructed him there. And this is all in his sannyas leela. And now, again in Puri, he's come to stay for not just four months, he gets an extension, about eight months he'll stay there. And he stays, although he's a very sophisticated, learned person, and he's staying with Haridas. And Mahaprabhu wants to show his other sophisticated uh, associates in Puri, like Sarvabhoma, Ramananda Roy, the poet, the dramatist, I mean, he's a very cultured person, also a member of the, high member of the government and so forth. Sarup Damodar, the learned Sarup Damodar, uh, and our uh, enunciate, he wants to bring them hmm, to meet Rupa Goswami and and showcase Rupa Goswami to them, who's living with Haridas, the outcast. This contrast is meaningful. Hmm? Um, the implication is that Haridas knew everything. How? 
simply by chanting. This is the center of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's whole leela of sadhana. Nam bhajan. Hmm? Nam sankirtan. Hmm? This, is the, this is the way. This is the way. This is what we see. It, it sustains the world. Sutra mani gana eva, Krishna says in the Gita. My name, me, supports the whole world. The whole world is resting on me. Hmm? Maybe we come back to that, but... And the whole sadhana of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is entirely resting on this. Once I was sitting with Bhakti Pramod Puri Goswami Maharaj, we were talking to him about Raghunuga Bhakti, and someone was giving me some, some discourse um, uh, about uh, Rag Bhakti and uh, uh, visualization of leelas, and so what we were talking about. And he chuckled. Hmm? He chuckled. He said, Baba, he said, he said, if uh, there's uh, without becoming free from nam aparad, there's no there's no question of going anywhere in the vicinity of all that is Krishna nam, hmm? which means the rupa, the guna, the lila of Krishna is all found in there. Hmm? This is a very clearly Chaitanya Dev's emphasis nam sankirtan. Everything in the name. What's in the name? Oh, got a minute. That's so much. Volumes and volumes have been written about that. So this is really the center, I want to say, of the of the uh, of the, the the sadhana, the world of sadhana, the world of spiritual practice in Chaitanya Vaishnavism. Its world of its its sadhana. Hmm? So Mahabhu, Rupa Goswami is living with Hari Das. He knew everything without implications, without ever reading a book. And Rupa Goswami wrote so many books of theology and, uh, and very high books, very learned books, and so forth, and Sanatana. And Haridas, the implication of an outcast is he probably didn't know how to read. Hmm? But his commitment to Nam hmm, was such that Rupa Goswami felt comfortable staying with him. Not that he wouldn't have been with others, but there are other reasons that he was kind of a quasi outcast from the Hindu perspective as well for having worked in the Muslim government. But Beyond that fact, hmm, the point I'm making is that he was very comfortable being with the outcast Haridas because they were both transcendent in the realm of sadhana to the world of perception, the world of morality, the world of who's a, you're an outcast, you're, you're a first class, you're a second class, you're a man, you're a woman, and so on and so forth. They lived beyond this. So Mahabharata was come there. Ek din rup karen. Natakalikan. One day, Mahaprabhu came and he saw Rupa Goswami writing a drama, hmm? Nataka. Hmm? His drama, Vidagda Madhava, Lalita Madhava. He's writing in Jagannath Puri. Atshambiti Mahaprabhu Hoyla Agaman. Sam Brahme Dunghe Uti Dandavada Hoyla. The two of them, Haridas and Rupa Goswami, upon seeing him, they paid the Pranam, Dandavat, they prostrated themselves on the ground before him. Dunhe Alingiya Prabhu Asane Vasila. And then they got up, of course, and then they offered him, Mahaprabhu, a seat. Kya punti lika? Mahaprabhu says, What book are you writing? Bali ek patra nila. Akra dekiya Prabhu Mane Sukhahoil. Mahaprabhu takes the page, Akshadikya Prabhu. He says, look at this handwriting. 
Akshar. Look at the handwriting. Shri Rup Akshar Jain Mukut Tar Pankti. His writing, he says, is like the Mukut, like, like if he took pearls on a string and he lined the pearls up like this in a row, that's very symmetric. It's a way of saying his, his handwriting, just his handwriting. If we could just just look at that, it would be sufficient. How glorious is it in his eyes is Rupa Goswami that his, his handwriting is, it, it, should, should be written about. Hmm? should write a book about his handwriting. Hmm? What, what's flowing through his pen? And so such beautiful thoughts, such beautiful ideas, such beautiful experiences of, of, of what? Of Krishna Leela. Hmm? In Viragda Madhava, Lalita Madhava. And he's putting them in words. What are these words? What, 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 and words are limited in terms of exp- expressing, capturing what that world of Leela is. But these words are empowered words from someone who's experiencing that in the, in the meditative world. We should attach ourselves to these words, these kind of descriptions of Krishna Leela. What else do we have to go on? <laughs> You could say, well, you know, they're Indian descriptions. Sounds like you're making God Indian. We sure are, actually. Yeah, he appeared in India. That's that's a fact. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't make India. You know, it's got plenty plenty of problems and so forth. But it's one planet, right? Why? It's it's multicultural, and there all the cultures are centered around certain ideas, Hmm? right? And God's not limited to appearing in India. It appears in other cultures, too. And, and, if, and, and what do you think? Same thing applies in Christianity, for example. Who's seeing angels? Hmm? Martyrs are seeing angels. Hmm? You have to be prepared to die to live in a world of angels. Hmm? They you know, painted the Sistine Chapel, I guess, whoever did that, Marco Angelo or somebody. What's his name? Michelangelo. You must have heard from the sadhus. They're angels. They look like this. And, and yeyatam papadjanti, Krishna says, time sasami, yeyatam papadjanti, tam sataiva bhajamiham. He said, and there are angels, he says. There are pearly gates also. Hmm? Avatars are asankhya, unlimited, innumerable, appearing in different places, and cultures will form around that, and spiritual practices. And so there are such worlds. Hmm? We don't have to say, well, wait a minute. You Hindus say there's a Shiva and a Brahma out there. And the Catholics say there's Peter and Paul. And, 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 and obviously somebody's wrong. Aaron says, actually, they're both right. Hmm? They're both right. This is the teaching of the Gita. They're both right. Hmm? According to their approach, Bhakti Vinod says in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Puritana Sadhana Binashaya Tadusritam, Dharma Samstapanate, Sambhavami Yuga Yuga, I come Yuga after Yuga, millennium after millennium. Bhakti Vinod says that it doesn't mean only in India. He appears in other cultures and in a certain form and certain religious systems are formed around that. If people apply themselves, they can have a corresponding experience. You have to look at it. Of course, Hinduism is very beautiful in that its words are very universal. The word karma, what it means by that. Gyan, what it means by that. Bhakti, what it means by that. It's universal. 
So it's, it's in Christianity, it's in Islam, and, and so on and so forth as well. There is, in other words, it's a karmic orientation to religion where the religion is for getting fruits, material fruits. There's a gan, like the desert fathers of Catholicism orientation. It's really very much a taggy, renunciate type of extreme tapasvi orientation. Again, you have your Teresas and St. John's of the Cross and these romantic bhakti-esque I, I, uh, notions and so forth. Hmm? Hmm. But again, who sees angels? Martyrs see angels. What kind of commitment they had. Hmm? You understand? Hmm. They were ready to, to die for, 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 their, for their ideal. Hmm? And so that they weren't living on just some theory. You can't do that. On just some... Hmm? Joan of Arc, was she, yeah, I don't know her story as well, but yeah, so, committed people, committed, we're back to that point, we committed sadhana. Hmm. So here we find Rupa Goswami, right, with Haridas Thakur, and Mahaprabhu's coming to approach, and he says, he, this Rupa Goswami, look at his writing, he's, we should write a book about his handwriting, everything he does, he's holding the pen, what ideas, what beautiful ideas are flowing through that pen, appearing in his heart, and coming out. The, the, these are, Yes, they're limited in their ability to capture, to describe that. They, they, they don't, but, but it's the attempt of someone who's experiencing it to explain it. That, those words, that logic, that reasoning, that understanding of, of the sacred text, that has power, very much power. These are empowered explanations. We were talking the other day, and Yuval Chana was mentioning how Prabhupada was like overseeing the artwork of the BBT, and he called the artwork the windows to the spiritual world. Hmm? So he's just, you know, seeing it and and trying to put it in, help his students put it into into art. Hmm? So this is what Rupa Goswami is writing. This drama, hmm? he's using. It's apparent as the story goes on here that he was well acquainted. Excuse me, with dramatics and the, the rules of poetry and writing and so on and so forth. Again, he was a very educated man, but what he's writing about, inspired by Mahadev Shiva to write Vidagda Madhava, Lalita Madhava, hmm? with deference to Sanatan Goswami, who in Vidagda and Lalita Madhava, he says, is an incarnation of, San- of Sanat Kumar, who wrote the Sanat Kumar Samhita, where you find the scriptural evidence for Manjari Bhav, for example. Hmm? So here he's writing, and Mahabharata is praising, not to speak of what he's written, what the content is, but just the form of it. Hmm? That's an important point to make. Hmm? All these things. To see him as the perfection of the eyes, to touch him as the perfection of association, to speak about him, the perfection of the tongue. This, this kind of... Such people are very rare in the world. Hmm? This is Rupa Goswami. These dramas are very, very deep. Hmm? Uh, and, and, and Mahabharata is appreciating that. So he, he, he looks at the verses, and what is he? He comes upon the verse, the 15th verse. So this is our verse tonight. Here I, we come to that. He says... Tunde Tandavani Ratim Bitanute Tundavali Lobdaye Karnakroda Kadambini Gatayate 
so this is a Mahaprabhu, he read this and he developed manifest ecstatic symptoms. Hmm? Haridas reacted, we'll get to his reaction, but, but I, I want to take us now from this, this is center, this is a verse glorifying Krishna Nam. Hmm? He says, very briefly, Tunde Tandabani Ratim Bitanute Tundabali Labdaye and No Jani Janita Kriadbir Amritai Krishnaiti Varnadvai Varnadvai two syllables Varnadvai Krishnaiti of the word Krishna No Jani Janita He's expressing some some loss, some 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 lacking, some insufficiency. Hmm? I've heard these two syllables, and I have some of this insufficiency as a result of that. Huh? These two syllables, hmm? Karnakroda, Kadambini, they sprout they, 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 when they when they appear on the on the ear. Tunde hmm? Tandabani, when they appear on the mouth. Hmm? Cheta uh, Pranganam Sangini, when they become my companion in my the courtyard of my heart, hmm? this is this is happening to me is the implication, and it's a problem. I need, I make I make a peti- I have to make a petition for millions of mouths, millions of ears to try to do justice to this. And this, of course in the Lita Mamadava, which takes us into Krishna Lila, is spoken by Purnamasi. Purnamasi is such an important figure. And these figures in the Lila dramas, Lila Granthas of the Goswamis, we should learn who they are and start to become attached to them. They're very attractive people. They're partial people. <laughs> it would seem, from our perspective, they're partial people. One time somebody told me, how could Chandravali be like that? I mean, it's not fair. I mean, she, why doesn't she react differently? She's just a certain aspect of Radharani for a certain purpose. Hmm? And that's bigger than being a whole human being hmm? in every possible way. To have a fully human, uh, from a humanistic perspective, to just be free to be your creative self and all that you can be without any limitations. Do it. Hey, it's your thing, Right? You feel good. We're all for you. Just be it. It's such a small, small, tiny, narrow-minded thing to being, but, but, but as Brahma prayed, a blade of grass in Vrindavan that Krishna might, that the gopis might step on me, Uddhava said. Same idea. Hmm? It's such a big idea if we understand properly. Again, Consciousness does not matter. Such a huge idea. And th- this, is, this is left in the shadows hmm? from the Godi perspective. Mukti is, is, is almost, almost undesirable. Hmm? In Mukti, in Brahmasuja, this kind of Mukti, there are aspects of the self that will never be known. You'd better be in, in the association of the Maya Shakti because at least they'll come out. Hmm? That you're a doer a quality of experiencer, an apprehender. You can experience that in relation to the Maya Shakti about yourself. 
In Brahman, you can't. There's no environment to be a doer, to be a feeler, to be a knower. Hmm? Of course, by the influence of the Svarup Shakti, hmm, then we can be a doer, a knower, a feeler hmm, in eternity in relation to, uh, to the perfect objects of love. Now we do it in relation to imperfect objects of love, so it's problematic. Hmm? But these are two environments, material environment, the bhakti environment. In Brahman, they're absent. So there's aspects of the self that won't, that are there. The nature of the self is such that it has a nature that lends itself to nurture. Without the nurture of the environment, certain qualities will never be known. Hmm? Better to be in Maya is the doctrine of the Gaudiya Vaishnava than to be in Brahma Sauja. That's a very turning things upside down. Hmm? But this is one of the reasons um, why. Hmm? So we go anyway to there. Krishna Lila, it's Purnamasi speaking, such an extraordinary person, a knower. Hmm? She is the grandmother of Sandipani Muni. She appears in Vrindavan. They come all the way from Ujjain with, with her grandson, Madhu Mangal. A very interesting fellow, hmm? Madhu Mangal. Uh, he's hot as the Burj Basis where they build a hut for Purnamasi on the bank of the, of, the, of the Jamuna. She's a mystic lady with wisdom, insights, and so forth. So they, they, you know, they want her company and her advices and so forth. And Madhu Mangal, he's kind of a homeless guy in Vrindavan. Hmm? He's a homeless person. Hmm? And he's the most well-fed. <laughs> Such is that place. <laughs> Such is that place. Hmm? And he's very wise. Hmm? He's come to the conclusion, he's a Brahmin, so he's very wise, he came to the conclusion, the bottom line, the most important thing is, you've got to eat, and you've got to eat good. Hmm? This is his, his opinion. You have to eat, that's first and foremost. Hmm? It's said the Brahmins, you know, should only speak as much as they can eat, but without eating you can't speak at all, so eating comes before speaking. It's backwards. They've got it backwards. This is how the Brahmanism is turned around in, 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 in Goloka. It does a thing on Brahman, Brahmanism there in Goloka um, amongst the Vaishya community. It's turned upside down. Hmm? Yeah. Parikshit Maharaj, he realized that eating is the cause of death. We think if we eat, this is Madhu Mangal's position, you have to eat to live. Eating is the most important thing. Of course, he's in the Paravyom. He's in Krishna Leela. Hmm? In this world, Prichet Marsh realized eating is the cause of death because he was hungry and on account of being hungry, he did something out of character. He insulted the sage because he was pressed by hunger. And what happened? He died for that. Hmm? Therefore, what did he do? He fasted. He gave up eating. He said, eating, drinking, that's my whole problem. Hmm? That's the whole problem. So I'll give that up. Hmm? And now what to do? Giving up eating and drinking, hmm? so to speak, going to the bank of the Ganga, then something happened. That kind of commitment again on his part, realizing eating is the problem. It means taking, exploiting. Hmm? We, 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 we kill to live here. That's just the norm. Hmm? We are hunters and we're being hunted. It's a problem. 
he realized this. He said, I'm going to stop this. So I will stop killing. I will stop eating. Hmm? And then maybe I'll stop dying. Right? And what is death? With this kind of commitment and this kind of inquiry that just dominated his whole life, what was the result? There was no internet or anything or any Facebook meetup, you know, over here. Came Sukhamuni, Sukadev Goswami, naked boy, appeared on the scene. And everyone stood up. Everyone stood up. What will he say? He knows. He's detached. And what did he teach him? It's not about fasting. It's about feasting. That's what Sukadev told him. That's the lesson. It's not about fasting. It's about feasting. That's hmm? Golok. No one goes hungry there. Hmm? No one going hungry. Everyone feasting. Everyone full. Hmm? Full in celebration in the Leela. Madhu Mongol like this. He thinks, yes. Hmm? Eating is everything. Hmm? <laughs> Eating is everything. Hmm? Philosophy, there's no philosophy there in Vrindavan. That's good. We need a little philosophy in sadhana bhakti. We need to become a little tattva bit, like Mahaprabhu thought, Sarvamatha needs to be educated a little bit in philosophy, that he can maintain his vows and so forth. This will help us so that our ritualistic practice, we may be attracted to Indian ritualistic practices and so forth that we were talking about earlier, but if we don't have any understanding, then also becomes a problem, also becomes a problem on the other end of the spectrum. Hmm? So, but passing through that, then... We enter a world gamsunya bhakti, devoid of the of the of the the burden of of knowledge, and there he is again, the most well-fed person, and he's homeless, and and eating is the bottom bottom line there, and he's right, hmm? and he's right. Hmm? This is Vrindavan. So these people, I mean, we're just speaking a little bit, and these kind of people, you hear about them, you become attracted, you want to know them, you become attached to them. What Purnamasi can tell you? Hmm? I said before, you, you become too attracted to, to, to Vrishabhanu Maharaj and Kirtida or Nanda and Yashoda. These are, your, these are the fathers and mothers of everyone of Vrindavan. Hmm? This is how your Parabdha Karma can, can be eradicated. How can you eradicate your prabhda karma? By bhakti. How is that? How will you change fathers and mothers? That's your prabhda karma. Is that going to change in this life? Yes. Your father will become Nanda Maharaj. Hmm? In a general sense, and it'll become more specific. Or or Vishabhanu Maharaj would be on that side, like like mm, Sarupa, Gopa Kumar, hmm? Krishna brought him home when he entered into Goloka for, 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 for dining. Hmm? Hmm. And he ate the ladu, <laughs> threw the ladu on his plate of sarupa. Who cooked this? What? Everybody's shocked. What? Everybody's eyes looking at Radha. Hmm? And then Krishna says, that's fit for you. So he didn't know, so he eats it. It was delicious. It was really delicious. He realized, oh, Krishna's joking. Hmm? Joking. And he's saying, by throwing this on my plate, he's saying, you have entered here. Now you need to go home tonight. Your home is in Radha's group. Hmm? That's what he's saying. He's angry at Radha's group, you know, pretending to be angry at Radha's group so that he can instruct Sarup 
you will go home to Radha's side over there. Hmm? And, the, 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 and he understands it. I mean, this is like a good disciple and a, a very interesting siksha that you get there in that realm as you, as you, 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 you enter. So, yes, and, and you enter, and when your sadhana becomes, comes ripe, then you become, uh, then, then the emotive aspect of bhakti starts to manifest. Not just practice with the senses, but the emotive aspect. This is called bhava bhakti. Then you can have a meditative body made out of bhava. That's a real body. This one is a, this one is here today and it will be gone tomorrow. And it's subject to transformation. We try to, you know, get rid of the wrinkles and things and so that but but it's it's just that's what happens here, right? Mm-hmm. So a real body means a sat body, a body that doesn't undergo such transformation. That's what it means by sat. It's not subject to the transformations that all material manifestations are. Hmm? So then in that body you have a father, you have a mother. Hmm? You understand? Hmm. When you went to there, this the Parabdhapakarma is gone. Hmm? Even while being in this world, and you remain in this world for the sake of cult- culturing the bhava into praying. Hmm? So here Purnamasi is speaking. What is she saying? This, how does, where does this come in Viragda Madhava? Hmm. She has, she's come to Vrindavan, she's meeting with Nandimukhi, she says, oh, there's only one thing in my playbook here, the only one thing I'm concerned about. My agenda is singular. Hmm. What is that? That Radha will fall in love with Krishna. Hmm. I'm here for that purpose alone. This is Vrindavan. That Radha will fall in love with Krishna. Hmm. And Nandimukhi says, Oh, you don't have to worry about that. Hmm? That's already happened. How do you know? Hmm? Because I saw it. She heard Krishna Nam. And just hearing the, the name of Krishna, she underwent all these ecstatic transformations right before my eyes. And Punamasi says, Tunde Tundhavali Ratim Bitanute. She cited this verse of Rupa Goswami. Oh, Krishna Nam. You see, in, in Golok, in the Krishna Leela, this is the third of the worlds you know, that we're kind of looking at here in our discussion. In Krishna Leela, Krishna Nam is present. Therefore, by Krishna Mantra, you can samsara mochan. You can overcome samsara. And by Krishna Nam, Krishna Charan. You can attain the feet of Krishna. The Nam, in the Nam, is a Leela. Hmm? Is the rupa, is the guna, the, the form, the qualities, the leelas. Hmm? And so what happened in, in, in leela seva, through nam, the nam, the leela in the name comes out in the four. The name is there, it's in the background. Hmm? But it's not that the name and the leela are different. Hmm? The, the leela is an aspect of the name. Hmm? So name, nam, this is my point, is central to Krishna Leela. It's very, very central to Krishna Leela. This is just a little example. And Rupa Goswami is bringing this out in his book, Vidagda Madhava. This is the whole... Mahaprabhu liked this verse. Why he liked this verse so much? It's all about the efficacy of Krishna Nam. It's spoken in... They're saying it in the Leela. It's the means. And it's the ends as well. And of course, then, then she will go and get in the, and ask Vishaka, paint a picture of Krishna. Hmm? 
and give that to Radha. She's got his name. Hmm? Now, acquaint her with his form also. Hmm? Give her the picture. This is, this is the way it's proceeding. This is a very instructive book. Later in Chaitanya, says all Siddhanta is in Lita Madhava, Vedagda Madhava. It's not a book about Siddhanta Tattva. It's a book about Leela and Bhava, but still. Hmm? What is the ground on which that Bhava and Leela are coming out of? The, as I say, sometimes a canvas which the art of Leela is drawn. This is Siddhanta. The truth about Nam, hmm? for example. Nam Dharma. Hmm? So Mahabhava, so much he liked this verse. This is a sound, Krishna, Krishna. He says, this sound, these two syllables, hmm? what nectar there is there when they enter into the courtyard of my heart and become my companion there. Prabhupada renders it when they dance in the courtyard, like you would, like you dance with someone you love. Hmm? Huh? When, when you enter, this is, this is the, this inner courtyard of the, of the heart where Krishna Nam is dancing. This comes out in Gaur-lila in form of, in, in Shiva Sangam. Here is the courtyard where Mahaprabhu is performing the kirtan. This kirtan, this courtyard has to appear in the heart. And then you can you find yourself there. It's not a geographical location. Which is, what is that? It's a measurement, a place of measurement. It's not a place of measurement. Beyond measurement. The measurer there. There's only there's only measurer the measurers. In other words, it's a subjective world, meditative world, the real world. Hmm? These sounds. The, the, the Krishna Rupa Goswami says a nice thing in his Namastakam. He says that Nikila Shuti, hmm, what is it? Nikila Shuti Mulyap Ratnamala. Hmm? The sounds of the Upanishads. These are the unspoken sounds, the unauthored sounds. It's thought amongst the Hindus, that there are unauthored sounds that exist, that support the world and bring it into manifestation and also have a full representation in a world beyond the realm of time and space. Hmm? It's a similar idea to the Platonic idea that's, that's, that's popular even amongst a good number of mathematicians today. Hmm? The idea that 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 mathematics, this would be like scientific realism, a form of it, but uh, which may not be defensible, but it's an interesting concept nonetheless. That 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 mathematical math is in, in, inherent in nature. I mean, what's a triangle? Is it something you made up, or do triangles exist? Squares exist. Hmm? If you go subatomically for for measuring and so forth, we know that we were told that there are there are quarks and and gluons and you can't see them. You just know that they're there by math. Hmm? There are equations. We math describes the world that there's nothing faster than the speed of light, and there's there's an equation. So there's an idea amongst them. There's a debate amongst the mathematicians ongoing. It will be ongoing forever. Whether math is discovered or where the math is invented, these are the two schools. Plato, for example, Pythagoras, uh, Euclid, Eugene Wigner in more modern times, uh, Roger Penrose, the celebrated physicist uh, uh, of, of modern time, very celebrated person, uh, 
co-authored some works, I think, with Stephen Hawking, who's maybe even more celebrated. He's of the opinion that 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 math is inherent in nature. It's discovered. Hmm? And that that there is a platonic realm hmm, where math, these mathematic formulas live beyond time and space, this non-physical, a non-physical realm, which Plato posited was also the realm of the ultimate good, absolute ethics, and absolute you know, aesthetics, beauty. Hmm? And with math, well-reasoned, if you will, logical hmm, realm. This is uh, you have a you know some foothold in the West, Western philosophical thinking, to help us understand the idea of the parabiom of the Krishna, of Krishna Lila of this realm, a realm beyond time and space, non-physical, that is that is well reasoned and and, and, and the ultimate. Is it represents the absolute good beyond the, the limited good of moral life, which is just a shadow of the absolute good, as we mentioned earlier, and absolute beauty. I mean, this is this is Krishna Leela. Hindus have a similar idea about sound. If you look at Brahma and Brahma through sound, language, of course, through sound, we categorize things. So we 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 departmentalize and make sense out of everything that's out there hmm, through language. So it's thought through language, through sound, through mantra, hmm, that he organized the world. It's kind of an idea that, uh, that at, similar to the idea that at the bottom of the world there are vibrations, hmm, strings they call them, hmm, and 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 there are there are uh, for harmonics there are equations. So like you can play a string, for example, on a violin, and then they can make a math equation. That equals it. It's very interesting, or they can discover one. I suppose you could say. So, it's foundational to the world. This is 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 sound formulas. Hmm? This is the Vedic idea that are unauthored. Hmm? They have no 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 beginning, and certain people can hear them, just like dogs can hear things we can't hear. Hmm? Right? There are so many sounds out there. All motion is dependent on sound or has a sound, even the electron moving in the atom makes a sound. You can't hear it, but it makes a sound. Hmm? So the Vedic ideas kind of about mantras is they are thought to be almost like mathematical formulas of, of sorts. I mean, it's sort of, we're making an approximation here, but, but, uh, but they're unauthored, like the idea that math is unauthored, and they, they, sh- they, you can discover the things about the world through them, and they reside in a world unto themselves. That this world, physically speaking and mentally speaking, is just an approximation of. Hmm? That's the idea. I gave the example the other day. What is a smile? I saw a thing on on the internet. It says, "Smile is the movement of these two whatever facial muscles." You know, it's a joke, right? What is a smile? It's, it's the movement of two muscles. We just laugh at that. <laughs> you know, make me smile. Obviously, a smile is much more than that. It means there's more to life than the physical world. Even, even if you're a materialist, hmm? even if you're a materialist, you actually live in a metaphysical world where their where their judgments are made. Hmm? Right? 
in, in, in the mental world. Hmm? So, <laughs> so what, the, what the idea, of course, about Krishna Lila, just, just to say what, what I mean by this world, what we mean by this world of Krishna Lila, that Purnamasi is making this verse and Radha and Krishna are, are rendezvousing and, and, and so forth. Hmm? The idea is that, that we are consciousness, we're not matter. When consciousness touches subtle matter, hmm, the chitta, the chitta, hmm, the chitta is a microcosm of the macrocosm of material nature in in each human being. This chitta is then causes consciousness to be focused on physical matter. The result of this is physical matter undergoes various. Uh, Changes, movements, like you know, those muscles that make you smile. It, it does that. It obviously does something more than that as well. It also it, it also activates the mental realm where feelings, emotions, thoughts, judgments, determinations reside, and so forth. In other words, more than the physical, there's the world of meaning. Hmm? The meaning world is not less than the physical world. It's actually more than the physical world. That's why we smile when we're told that the smile is only, you know, movement of a couple of muscles. Hmm? Now, the point is this. When consciousness is reflected in subtle matter and then focused on gross matter, gross matter moves, undergoes some transformation, and emotive life, a, a meaningful life, is... It, it, it comes to the fore. But that meaningful life is limited. Hmm? It's limited in terms of its meaning, its values, and so forth, because it's derived from being focused on physical matter, which all forms of which are here today and gone tomorrow. So it's, it's, it's problematic. Even though it's meaningful, our mental, emotional life is meaningful and rich, but it's, it's limited because of its being derived from consciousness being focused on matter. Now, if you take the consciousness and you focus it on Krishna, hmm? Krishna Nam, the perfect object of love, hmm? then you get a real smile. Then you get a real heart. Then you get a real body. What I'm saying to you is that when you think, somebody told me, I'm not sure about this, you know, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we're going to get two spiritual bodies, one in Gaur Leela and one in Krishna Leela, and from the perspective of one who has such a body, the idea of having a, that a material body is it's just like a, it's like an uninformed person would think a spiritual body, that sounds pretty imaginary, uh, fairy, you know, in the sky, a fairy tooth kind of, you know, idea. Hmm? Like somebody asked me, I've said this before, it's, uh, anyway, they asked me, they said, Marsh, is there any, I want to ask you privately, is there any real, I mean, real sex life in Goloka Vrindavan. You know, I mean, real sex life. I said, no, you don't understand. There's no real sex life here. Hmm? It's only an approximation of that. Hmm? Only an approximation. There, as we said before, hearts actually melt there. Hmm? When we say, my heart melted, the doctor says, no, it didn't. It's still there. Hmm? Oh, you don't get it. Yeah. 
you don't get there's a there's a world of of, of emotion feeling there's an emotional sense of 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 heart right hmm? is that less than the physical heart or is it more than the physical heart it's more than the physical heart and it kind of melts sometimes in this world hmm? but in goloka Vrindavan, it actually melts hearts actually melt and what a heart is this is kind of a platonic idea you know if you think these are only approximations the mental and physical world are only approximations of the spiritual world. Hmm? Hmm? After all, the, 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 from our perspective, the whole mental, uh, emotional, and the physical world are all dependent upon consciousness. So consciousness unto itself, and then consciousness in relation to its source. So, so, and there's sounds, and of the sounds that can take us there, this point of this verse is this sound, Krishna, Rupa Goswami said, all the sounds of the Upanishads, which the unauthored sounds underlying the world and that reside in a world unto themselves, that speak of Tattvamasi, this is underlying the world. You are Brahman, you're not matter. Hmm? The ground of being is you. Hmm? These kind of sounds. All, all these sounds, he said, they are like valuable jewels that, are, that give light, but if studied properly, understood properly, they're casting light on one sound made of two syllables. Krishneti, what does he say? Varna dvayi, varna, syllable, dvayi, two. Krishneti, varna, dvayi. And Rupa Goswami is troubled by these two sounds in a good way. Hmm? They're so, they're troubling me. Hmm? So, I, I, I need more ears and more mouths. And so, as I said before, this is the... What, the position of the guru, hmm? he needs help. Gurus need uh, to help to take advantage of what what happens with his chanting. What, how do you share these thoughts? How do you explain what? How do you talk about this with anybody listening? <laughs> uh, we need help, uh, and 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 certainly yes, the gurus can learn from their students. I mean, Madhu Mangal is a student of Narada. But Nard learned a lot from Madhu Mangal. Hmm? Yeah. He learned about the Braj. Hmm? He learned, and from Purnamasi, his students. This course backwards. It looks like Nard is a, uh, uh, Nard is a partial incarnation of Madhu Mangal. This is the whole, how the Braj expands. Hmm? Krishna expands. The associates go with him in different leelas. But the, as he is Swayam Bhagavan, Madhu Mangal is the Swayam Brahman, the original Brahman. Anyway, that's a side point. But my point overall is that all these worlds, the world of sensual, mental, intellectual experience, the world of sadhana, I'm referring to Gauralila in its perfected form, and the world of Krishna-lila, that these two syllables, Krishna-nam, they run through that. Krishna says in Gita, Sutre Manigana Iva, it's all with this world, is resting on me. Hmm? Now, there's a, we have to, we don't want to go into the physics of that at this time, but point is, Krishna Nam is very valuable and we should take advantage of it, like those rishis who sit, you know, in, next to the fire in the summer, like the rishis who go to the Ganges in the month of Mag and live in the Himalayas naked. And what effort they're making for such a small thing. Nirvishesh hmm? Brahma. Hmm? in comparison to the Prem 
prayojan of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we should make the same effort with such a simple practice. What is it centered around? Chanting Krishna Nam, that's all. Is it hard? Probably used to say, chant, 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 and they would say, can't, can't, can't. Goodness. Is that a, what is that? Why not? It's so easy. It's a heart condition. It's a heart condition because it's a heart that is being suppressed by a brain or by senses. The senses are driving me towards sense objects and, and so I, 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 I can't chant Krishna Nam. Or my brain won't let me because that's not making enough sense to me that these two syllables could... But usually, look, who are these people? What they did? Hmm? What Rupa Goswami did in the context of bhakti in terms of effort that he demonstrated, therefore he showcased as the, as the ideal of sadhana, what he did walked out of the kingdom. Not only at risk of having nothing, but at risk of being sanatana, being killed, beheaded by the king. Again, if you want to see the angels, they're there. But you've got to become a martyr. Hmm? This kind of thing. <laughs> you have to apply yourself to this chanting. This, you have to arrange your life around this. Hmm? Then it's possibility for getting results. That's why it's useful to come together. That's why we try to form communities and encourage people to participate and come together. And there's strength in that. Hmm? And, you know, well, it takes some effort. I know. <laughs> That's the point. We have to make some effort for that because then we'll be facilitated that much more for such a simple thing. It's hard to do in, in Kali Yuga, if you will. Okay? So, thank you very much. Any question? Yes. This point of commitment and sadhana. Sadhana. Um, just to bring a little personal into the question. So I've been praying to Srila Prabhupada, if you know how we just say he is always in Krishna consciousness when you chant that Sri Mantra activity. So I've been praying yeah. how to take what you might experience during Japa and chanting the holy name and live it so you're living the sadhana. And it seems it's you know it's been a forty year challenge how to how to do that. Um, so my question is: um, Is the blockage the offenses to the holy name? In other words, the holy name will give us everything, not only the whole spiritual world, but how to live our sadhana. Um, or is there other? Yeah, well, I mean, it's Krishna consciousness, right? So it's a consciousness that you arrive at. I mean, it's a way of using the word consciousness for lack of another one. It's a consciousness, it's a space, I mean, using it in that sense, to be living in that ultimately results in seeing everything in relation to Krishna. So as your, as your object of love uh, that, is, that, is, that is provincial in appearing in a certain way, like a deity or the name, seems like a small two-syllable thing, the universality of it is realized through the experience, through the practice, then the capacity to live, so to speak, 
in Krishna consciousness is real because the deity is not just in the in the in the closet in your house that you open the door for and club it is. So it's a consciousness to be in. I mean, um, and uh, and the first stage of that is is that the, what's the difference is that other things are in the heart. Mm-hmm. So then you're seeing accordingly. It's it's you know it's you're seeing you're getting a certain perception a reflection of the world in the chitta and and you're functioning in relation to that so that has to be cleansed out in the context of the chanting it's not just cleansing it out but you know you're you're taking out the old carpet and the new new one's being put in and as it does then accordingly we start to see and uh, and function in that way, without any, for example, uh, any, not driven, it's not sense-driven, but driven, well, sense-driven, driven by Krishna's senses. How nice that would be to offer to Krishna. And I see like that, it automatically comes to, that's kind of what you're talking about, I guess. You want to be like that. But um, I don't know if there's any, you know, secret to that, other than the, the time it well, takes to to to, to, to cleanse the heart. We had service, we, you know. So we have chanting and we have service, and we have. If we don't have direct service, then we're say engaging in work and then giving some in some of that comes that can be used in direct spiritual service. And in, in different ways, we've lived our life trying to engage in. Acts of service right. and and acts of sudden out to purify. Um, so there's still this disconnect between okay, I'm engaged in service, but my, my like you said, my consciousness may not be fully in the service. There's a there's a blockage there. So is it uh, is it through is it through the offenseless chanting that all of this will be taken care of, that all the pieces will fit together, the consciousness actually arrives, it, it, it clicks, the whole life puts together? Yeah, is it, it will. Is it, if you could say anything, it would be this, this offense to the whole name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, what can help us expedite, so to speak, arriving at that is good sangha association. It's very... Helps, helps orientate us and so forth, inspire us to, you know, I mean, that's the best I can, what can I do here, but try to inspire others to do something that that my words under themselves are not going to do, but the Shastra is not going to do it for you, but it's supposed to inspire you to, to respond to it in such a way. And, you know, we're talking about martyrs and so forth, <laughs> so it's pretty, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's easy, but it's... It, practice, but it's hard to give yourself, you know, even to something that's easy to do. And, and so there are offenses in the background, there are desires in the background, and, and, and the chanting is, is powerful to overcome that, but it, you know, it has to be done attentively, and of course that takes practice. And One thing about it, though, is that, um, again, I did mention that this is one, one, one frame in the film, and, and so you know, we shouldn't be discouraged, but you might not arrive at, in this life, the capacity to do deep bhajan, but, but if you keep that as your ideal and pursue that, there, you have a sangskar for bhakti in your next life that will make you look like a, a, a you know, born saint. 
so to speak. So things that you willfully um, avoid because you know they're unfavorable to bhakti, even though you might have an attraction for them, not to the point of being repressive in a way that becomes problematic psychologically, but um, you know some effort has to be there. That that next life you won't have any attraction for them whatsoever. Hmm? This is to give you an example. So you have to, you know, you want it now, but now is forever. You know, <laughs> this is the point. Now is forever. I appreciate that. Um, you know the earnestness for wanting it to happen, but it's, you know we look at it. I'm just saying, kind of, we look at this life and want it. This, this life it means it's meaningless in a sense. This life, this many years, this it's. Um, but but there is there is something to the change of lives and bodies, and like I say, there is then start anew, and you have a different samskar. You have different impressions that don't that are there that may not lead you in this life, but you they've not dominated this life, but they will in the next life. So. Patience and enthusiasm at the same time is a hearty combination. Mm-hmm. All right, so we talked for quite a while, and what's the time now? That's the 99th verse of the first uh, chapter of the Anti Lila. Yeah, it's from the Vidagdamadava, 15th verse. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu liked it. So, all right, it's nice to meet with you all, and um, we'll be meeting tomorrow also, right, at your house, and we'll just take some questions and a little more informal, and and I think following this we'll have some prasadam, right? Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai, Sri Madhava ki jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Premanande. Yeah.